Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? Uh, it's going. It's going. It's going up. It the is going. The numbers are going up. <laughs> it is not good. We're, we're, they're talking about lockdowns. They're talking yeah. about... Uh, I mean, our topic today isn't COVID, but yeah. it is certainly foremost in our minds. Our topic is going to really be more sort of broader issues and yeah. how we think about territory. Uh, and you had an interesting angle that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, so I was uh, going over this week's Torah portion, Parsha, with the, which is Matot Matzeh. Um, and here in Israel, in, is it in, in the is, states? Yeah, is it in, in the states also. also? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They did. We're catching week. up. Last week was double for them. Um, mm. So uh, you know that one of the you know major parts of this of this Torah portion is the boundaries of the land of Israel. Is that I'm you know the people of Israel about to go into the land. Right, um, and it's just before the end of the book of Bamidbar Numbers, um, and it's we could say really the closing of the Torah because as we know, Devarim or Deuteronomy is Moshe's last speech to them. So this is really the last mm-hmm. commandments that God gives them. It's so the forth. end of the fortieth year, they're getting yeah. ready to cross the Jordan into the land. Exactly, and so then what is the land? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the, right. what is the land? What so when we talk about so they almost says we're talking to me like in these last weeks we've been talking about annexation you know the, all the news annexation and then of course Greater Israel and these ones argue this and I'm like okay and we know that two and a half of the tribes decided not to go over the Jordan wanted to stay in that side of the Jordan which is not the land of Israel but yet they get to settle there that always bothers me so like and 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 then what are these and then the boundaries are also not so clear. And right. if you go through the commentators, not everybody agrees on what the boundaries are. And Well, there and, are also different references in different places in the Bible yeah. where the boundaries are described differently anyway. Exactly. And then further on in the Bible, right, if we talk about, you know, King David's time, King Solomon, then later on, there are different boundaries to the land of Israel as we teach in class, mm-hmm. right? It's not, we, we, don't have, we don't say, oh, these are the land of Israel. So it kind of got me all thinking about this, like, whole annexation and... And and how and how we put the what what are what is the territory what are we not practically what is the territory of Israel but more, you know how how do we approach it how do we approach it from a modern lens, um, knowing that the that the historical lens and the biblical lens are different lenses, mm-hmm. and they don't always ma- they don't necessarily match up and they're not always clear, and and then how does that mesh with this great you know greater Israel and so. Can I give you an example of where yeah. that that I think buttresses your point? Where I saw it coming up, uh, uh, very, in a very relevant two very relevant examples on social media. I think I, I don't think either was on Twitter. I think both were on Facebook. Yeah, it was on Facebook that somebody uh, was talking about, you know, and, and these can be very draining conversations. I only yeah. keep one eye open to notice them because I think it's important in our job talking about Israel to see what people who are talking about Israel in the world are saying. So one of the questions was, why would anyone trust Israel to make any sort of deal with the Palestinians when clearly their goal is greater Israel and maximal territory? I don't even know why Jordan feels safe or comfortable. Right. Um, I thought that was a, a pretty ignorant framing. And I thought some of the conversation in response, as always on social media, was less intelligent and actually some of it was actually in this example kind of more intelligent but but 
your your framing issue of is the biblical account related to that? Is it relevant to that? I thought was very interesting. And I'll give you another example that also I saw on social media was a discussion about, you know, why do Jews keep bringing up how holy Jerusalem is to their religion? Why, why do they think that's relevant in political discussions? And this one, I actually kind of weighed in on. Well, not kind of. I posted a response <laughs> to it. The other one, usually I just sort of scan it to see what, right. what people are saying and to see if I can find anybody with enough actual understanding to speak intelligently. And this one, there were, it was a little, but, but I didn't think anybody hit the nail on the head. So I said, uh, Ben-Gurion was an atheist. Jerusalem is holy to three religions, but only central to one. But you're right, that has nothing to do with political negotiations about the capital. The Jews are the only nation that have used Israel, they used Jerusalem as the capital of their state. And Ben-Gurion knew that, and that's why he knew Jerusalem had to be the capital of the third state. And it got a couple of likes. Nobody really argued with me. But that, that framing... I wonder I how many people important. understood you, even. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is that, do you think that's difficult for people to... I think people have no clue what you're talking about. I don't think most people who read it probably understood what you're talking about. Because people frame hmm. it as Jerusalem is the city holy to three religions. Right. Um, and they don't really understand that because in antiquity... There was no separation of church and state, right? Religion and state were intermeshed, right? By the um, way, Alan, so I would argue that today. But today, a capital. You're saying you're saying because, because it, its holiness is expressive of its political centrality. I interrupted you. Finish your. So, I, yeah. This is the problem when we have two people. Yeah. We talk. We understand each other so well that I got. I'm um, yeah. being. You're going ahead of you yourself. Go, you finish. No, yeah. so I'm just saying. So people don't understand that that. That Jerusalem was this, the state capital of the kingdom of Israel, right, or kingdom mm-hmm. of Judah, whichever, right. That that in antiquity, both, both right, that, that in antiquity, that Jerusalem was a state capital. I mean, it was the the center of the power structures of the king, mm-hmm. of the of the courts, of all those things, and religion, because religion was part of that. That that is the major move. That's what basically the, the King David is saying when he brings the ark. Right, the covenant to Jerusalem is after he had made it the capital. After he made it the capital, is combining all those institutions because relig- mm-hmm. the religion is an important institution in the power structure of the state. Right. So, so now we've separated that in modern times. Right. So I would argue that we have and we haven't. In other words, the culture of a state used to be its religion. Right. Okay. Today, the culture of a state isn't necessarily its religion. It can be. It's it's what we meet. What, it's the broadest sense of what culture is, and that's right. why we bring. Just like David brought the 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 tabernacle to Jerusalem, so that the cultural center would be Jerusalem. So too, modern capitals build museums and institutions that reflect the culture of their nation. Right. Either they bring them there, or they evolve there naturally anyway. Right. But the, In other words, the conf- confusing that, thing. I think. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Now I'm doing to you what it. But I think the confusing yeah, yeah. thing for many people is that. That religion has been relegated to the personal preference or the personal sphere. Correct. So it's no longer seen as part of culture. It's separate than culture, as the way the people define it. I'm saying in the normal person. If, and in the experience of it. Yeah. Right, but it is. No, it I'm is, saying if you ask a normal is, guy on the right. street, like what it, what's the difference between religion and culture? They 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 don't see those as two of the same things, right? I get what you're saying. Yeah. I agree with you. So, so now, yeah. for we say, oh, okay, so it's holy. That means it's part of the religious. Then I don't see culture as holy. 
right? So, well, it's funny, so you know, holy, the, right. Holy has a metaphysical context, but the truth is, if I said to you, in modern language, I don't know what the in, the modern word for holy is, but Buckingham Palace, right? You know, should 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 guards risk their lives to protect Buckingham Palace from damage? Uh, you know, should should Kyoto protect its antiquities? It has nothing to do with religion. You know, should the Smithsonian Institution have guards at the door to make sure? that these historical treasures aren't stolen or damaged. Well, not to open a can of worms, or what about the Jefferson Memorial? <laughs> okay. But by the way, the Jefferson Memorial, that's, that's why, that's why they're, it's, a, it's a difficult question. Because these things become, in a, in a modern secular sense, holy. So that, so, do, yeah. So, I mean, I mean just yeah. to kind of bring us back to our topic, if, so if I'm looking at it from a, like, a perspective, I look at the Torah... I say, oh, well, that's holy. That's the word of God. That's defining the boundaries of Israel. But wait a second. In today's world, that's relegated to belief and personal sphere, not political, modern state building, right? And I think that's right. I think that's actually right. That's why I don't think the Bible is super relevant. Uh, Other than as the fact that it is our national narrative. We have 3,000 years of national narrative behind us when we talk about things, I think it's relevant in that sense. But as evidence, look, I don't think there's anybody in the real world, in the actual political spectrum, that is talking about invading Jordan, even the most right wing, to reclaim lands that that are biblically part of, you know, the mandate of the Holy Land. I don't think anybody's talking about invading Lebanon or Syria, even though that falls well within the boundaries. Right of what the Bible describes as our land. So it's not even in the most, by the way, even in the most right-wing religious parties, even in the most unseparating religion and state parties, I don't think anybody's advocating going back to those biblical boundaries because at least intuitively there is a sense that this, that it is personal belief isn't relevant. And so the biblical mandate is not what's going to define our borders. And so historical modern political forces are what, in, in the front of people's minds. And let's go the other way, right? The south, south of Beersheba or north of the mm-hmm. Golan are not mm-hmm. necessarily part of the original biblical boundaries, right? They're certainly Israel. Right? Um, but they're yep. certainly part of the modern state of Israel. And nobody's saying yep. oh, today we should be giving up the desert of, you know, uh, between Beersheba and Elah. Let's give a lot away. Yeah, right. Yeah, we don't care about a lot. Exactly. Um, so... So what? So then that. So then that, be, be, that brings the question. So what is the greater land of Israel movement? Those people who are saying, you know, let's annex it. Let's annex it all. I think the maximum. Look, uh, it is true that that the like, original revisionists were talking about what eventually became the Kingdom of Jordan, but that yeah. kind of fell over the years. I don't think anybody's really talking about invading Jordan anymore, even in the most, as I said, even in the most right-wing circles. They're talking about the West Bank and Gaza, and obviously the Golan. They're talking about retaining the things that Israel conquered in 67, and even that, I don't think anybody's talking about reinvading the Sinai. No, not that I know. I mean, again, I don't not, think so. Not. They're they're talking about all the land between the Jordan and the Medi- the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, which is ultimately what always comes down to as the centerpiece of any discussion of the land of Israel. The, I think the greater, I think the right wing. So how do you greater Israel? How do you understand that discrepancy? I think it's pragmatic. I think they may not be. I think they may be ideologues and fundamentalists, but I think. 
the pragmatism has 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 prevented them from even formulating pie in the sky, you know, let's invade Jordan and turn it back into Palestine ideas. I think that's I, you once in a while hear people talking about Jordan becoming a Palestinian state, which is also not right super realistic but even when people are talking in the language of wish fulfillment the pragmatism has settled in that we're really talking about in the modern if you're talking about the land of israel we can have sort of different ideas but when we're talking about greater the state of israel we're really talking about the jordan and the mediterranean I, i just think it's basic pragmatism nobody wants to start a war with jordan syria and lebanon so so, so that I mean, that still brings me to that. What, what is that? Meaning, there, there's, a, there seems to be a even within pragmatism, right? There seems to be a like a theological conflict here, right? You're saying people are just I think it's theologically it, hypocritical, like living yeah. in 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 the you know in a dissonance. I think it's dissonance. I think it's dissonance. Mm. I mean, because I, 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 by the way, I've tried it. I've experimented with people. Yeah. And I say, so, so, you know, do you, th- with right wingers who are like, well, yeah. you know, why would we give up the West Bank? It's, it's like, okay, we're going to enjoy Jordan, you know, invade Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. No, of course not. Nobody's saying that. I'm like, why? Why not? And, and I've yet to hear a good, I, I get eye rolling as now you're just being silly, you know, that that's reductio ad absurdum. You're just, you're right. just taking an argument to its silly extreme. But, I, I don't know that it is. I, th- I think your question is a good question. In other words, if you're in your theory, that should all be on the table. But it really is uh, experientially, anecdotally. I don't think anybody's there, which yeah. means they really are more influenced by the political, re- even fundamentalists, even even you know people who live in the world of wish fulfillment uh, are, are have to be. Express their wish fulfillment with, with some connection to to the earth that we live in, yeah, as right. opposed to Peter Beinart. I mean, I, what I found is I see people like the you know when we're talking about those very right wing now, like even really like very right wing mm-hmm. uh, maximalists, separate mm-hmm. between almost that like messianic times and oh well messianic times we'll get to there, but in our right. practical world, right? So that's like right, that's right. like kind of how dealing with it in right. the of distance, right? Correct. Oh. They reduce it to I mean maybe one day when you right but, right. But that but but now like you're saying we have to be you know realistic and and stage by stage. But I, I it, it so it really brings me you know back to this you know the, this this thinking that. Um, well, first of all, the, the land of Israel was n- was never really, like, uh, is it, never really completely defined, and that's true. A- and as it's dynamic, as we've been dynamic over the three thousand years of being dy- a dynamic nation that moved and had different, you know, processes and had, uh, what is it, you know, thousand years or more of of living in this land and at least with autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. That, so, uh, that maybe give less, or take, but yeah. yeah well, Give or take. Age, age of the judges, uh, thirteen hundred or so, which is. Oh, you know, if you count the age of the judges, which uh, we have some, uh, you know, okay. late judges, you know, That's whatever. Like, so um, then, with the with the but, kingdom, you have seven hundred. But certainly until seventy CE, from a thousand to seventy CE. Mm. Yeah, from 
a thousand yeah. to seventy CE, thousand BCE to seventy CE. Let's say at least give or take. Okay, that's not all autonomous, but yeah. Okay, your point is there's no, centuries. Most, there we had yeah. autonomous centuries in there. Yeah, obviously yeah. we were conquered and this and that, but within that time, we're go- that's the time we're talking about. We have talk about some kind of state, whether it be autonomous, where we would be conquered at times, but we still are living here. Even a vassal time. state. Yeah. yeah. Where Israel is more or less the the, the central, you know, um, territorial area for the Jews is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that that is is always dynamic, because this world is dynamic. Yeah. So so yeah. also this coming back has to be a dynamic is is clearly a dynamic situation. Right. Yeah. But by so, the way, so, Alan, I, I wouldn't. I would not say that that's unique to our history of story. I think most oh, yeah. nations, most states have dynamic borders. You know, England becomes the United Kingdom. The United States certainly had very dynamic, border, dynamic borders. Germany, France, like plenty of countries yeah. have pretty, yeah. No, absolutely, 100%. I agree with that. I think, actually think that it's only, it's almost, it's like a, it's a illusion of the post-World War II 20th century that nations have fixed borders. Right, right, right. You know? Um, it's the Pax Americana preserved that, them in amber for 70 yeah. years. E- even though you have the fall of the Soviet Union and and all of a sudden all these states come into being right. with new borders right. and West Germany and East Germany become a, a state, right? there, That border falls down, you know? We've gotten so, used to borders in flux being the exception rather than the rule. We've right. gotten used to that as the norm, but historically it is not. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna now throw in a whole round about this whole discussion on bine art now going on right, yeah that right because uh, basically the Peter Be- Peter Beinart article which I will admit here I did not read because I couldn't read it but I think I'm yeah so you could correct me if I'm wrong or not I did read it I did read it so but this whole discussion of well if Israel does X that means that this can never long uh, can never happen again meaning if Israel goes through with an annexation I'm not. I'm not supporting it or right. denying it here, but if Israel makes this X move annexation, that means the end of a two-state solution. Well, right. that's assuming this idea that things become fixed and are unchangeable and are not dynamic. Yeah, it's a, it's a tipping point argument, and, and he argues that he thinks we're past the tipping point anyway. Right. But yet we see, right, I mean, in as, us growing up as kids in 1975, 1980, we would say, oh, well, the Soviet Union isn't going anywhere. Right. Right. Well, you're, you're, you're know, res- that, right. That, what you're, what you're, what so you're arguing to, to, and, and Barnard was arguing to stop thinking of a two state solution and let's all go back to the classic one state solution for one state for two nations and they'll share it and work together right. and live in harmony. Like cultures all over the Middle East that he can give lots of examples of where that's been successful in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. Which he doesn't bother to talk about, but sarcasm but, uh, there. The sarcasm is noted. I mean, it's so. But what? But what he's basically saying is, you know, when we fantasize about a solution, because the two-state solution is so unrealistic at this point, let's fantasize about a one-state solution, without addressing how unrealistic that is a solution. And I think what you're sort of responding is, you can't fantasize an end goal when things are in flux. You have to. You're, you're, you're trying to create this academic construct of what you think Israel and, and how should Israel should resolve its story with the Palestinians. It's not going to work. Neither of those options are going to work right now. So you're being silly talking about what fantastic model you should have in your head that clearly neither would work. Uh, it, 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 
basically you're sort of saying his piece is sort of silly and irrelevant in terms of real world, although it, it can be used to uh, undermine America's relationship with Israel, I think. Yeah, well, I guess, So yeah. it's negative and... I mean, I guess it was my... I can't really say that because I didn't read it because I've read so much of his other stuff and I just didn't have <laughs> really energy. I actually, I actually but, used to be yeah. talking about my social media life. I was friends with him until 2014 on Facebook. I had met him... Uh, 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 I uh, 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 met him in Cleveland. must have been like... Two th- when did he write his book, his first book? I think Israel? it was around 2011. On the liberals maybe. in Israel. 2009 yeah, so that could be that. or 11. I read, he was, a, as an American historian, I actually like some of his stuff. He did like, he wrote this book on the intellectual background of American foreign policy from World War II till uh, the 21st century. It was pretty good. You know, he, he's good at researching these academics and, and ac- academic topics. I enjoyed it. So I went to hear him speak. Anyway, we became Facebook friends. And in 2014, you know, I'm sitting in my bomb shelter while we're getting shelled from Gaza, and he's writing about how badly he feels for, for the people in Gaza and how terrible Israel is for for firing back. So I wrote to him, and, uh, and openly on his, and I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to unfriend you now because, c- quite honestly, while I'm sitting here with my kids in a bomb shelter, you cheering on the people who are shooting at me makes me feel as a fellow Jew. It just makes me feel like. You just don't care. Like, to a, at a certain point, you have to have a certain amount of Jewish feeling for your fellow Jew. You can express your sadness for, you know, Gazan civilians caught in the crossfire. I'll, I'll, I'll share that sentiment. But when you go bashing Israel for defending itself, while well, I'm under rocket fire, I can't, I can't see you on my feet. And he actually wrote back to me openly also on the site. And a few other of his people wrote back to me. And he was like, you know, I totally understand. I hope, you know. I didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, and I'm like, but but he he he's become less and less relevant to intelligent conversations. I think. Well, I think yeah. I mean, uh, I think you know, I, I think he's removed from from the people here. I, yeah. I don't just think oh, yeah. there's you know certainly Jews and Israelis. I think he's removed oh the Arabs from, too. Yeah, but I think probably from the Arabs also, and so even, oh for sure. Even though the one state solution is fairly popular among young Palestinians. Right, which is a minority. It is not yeah. popular among Israeli Arabs. Right, it's not at all popular at all. among Israeli Arabs. Right, um, right. So, uh, but I do think that they, you know, these, and and I guess that's what I would say. Like if, before making these massive statements, if this, if you, like, it, it, you have to reckon di- a certain dynam- dynamism, and I think that yeah. that it, I think that maybe creative. There is a, st- a stagnation of ideas. There's a stagnation yeah. of ideas, and that to me seems the biggest problem. Um, now, uh, to me, it would seem that 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 is what is like best needed is to like try and look at the situation, come up with some new ideas of how we can solve this, and, and if we recognize that nations and identities and territories have always been dynamic, certainly amongst the Jewish people, right? Right. So then maybe then we can recognize there's a certain dynamism in the situation and then maybe come up with really, truly creative ideas how to solve them. I don't know what they are, but I think uh, I actually, ultimate statements play, that, that it has to be this way because if this is done, it's that over. That, the same thing with two-state solution. has to be a two-state solution. That's the only way to solve the problem. That, that to me, it seems also part of the problem because so we've been I'll, saying that I'll for play, 80 years and or more now. 
90. I'll play devil's advocate against you in two different directions. Yeah. In the first one, I'll say, um, if you don't define what your end goal is, then how do you work towards it? Well, so I, you know, I have an just end say, goal. Well, I'll be, I have an end goal. I do have an end, What's end, your end goal. goal. My end goal is that, bo- that because I'm a very deep believer in the concept of self-determination. Yeah. So the end goal is self-determination for both peoples. How we get that and what that means, okay, so I'm not really sure. And does self-determination in the 21st century have to be the same understanding of self-determination as it was in the 19th or then in the 20th century when it also evolved and developed? So, so are you arguing that that's a sufficient level of detail to work towards that goal? Uh, maybe. I, I, I guess I haven't. I really think it through a lot more before I remember. But I, well, my instinct. I don't know. Now, I mean, yes. it's a. It's a co- I think so. Look, the Jews. I mean, Der Judenstaat didn't didn't have endless detail about what a Jewish yeah. state would look like. It had a broad set I, of frameworks and said, "That's our target." And don't forget, we'll figure out how to hit it as we get closer. Yeah, sorry, I keep interrupting. I hope it's not going to come up bad. But yeah, yeah, self determination no. in 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 Europe for Jews had there were more than just Zionist self determination. There were territorialists who said mm-hmm. we should be staying in Europe and having self determination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the 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 it the, it didn't have to be. I'm not saying obviously I'm a big Zionist, so I believe in the Jewish state, and that's the one I would I chose. But mm-hmm. but again, to open up this idea, if we if we see the goal self determination, that can have potentially different answers than just two-state solution. Yeah. It's funny because uh, to come around full circle to your question about it, how is the Bible relevant in the conversation? Yeah. I think for many diaspora Jews, they still think of the Jewish state as an expression of like biblical... In other words, it's the Jewish religion trying to make a safe place for people of the Jewish faith to to go. And they're like, well, that's not so fair to the local inhabitants. And they simply don't understand. That's not really what Zionism is. Zionism is the national aspiration to rebuild that homeland. And that tension, that that mistake that people say, well, you know, what the Jews are doing is unfair because they're trying to make their Bible, the Bible shouldn't apply, so they shouldn't have Jerusalem, they shouldn't have the state. That's not what this is. And and, and so it, it really befuddles conversations and makes them sort of, sort of silly where from from the, an Israeli perspective articles like Beinart or, or conversations like why do Jews keep talking about how holy Jerusalem is to them Israelis Israel just seems so silly and irrelevant and 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 that's that's bad because it's important to get input from people on the outside to I, so that you can help identify your blind spots and can point out things to you that you don't know and when you get this sort of thought expressed as, you know, an American Jewish opinion, most Israeli Jews are like, wow, American Jews just don't get us. And they don't. I don't think most Israeli Jews don't even know who Peter Beinart is. (laughs) uh, That's true. Look, all of this conversation is in the world of people who are interested in these sorts of conversations, right? It's become the Twitter universe, where these, not academic, but pseudo-intellectual, you know, arguments happen, either in the tweets themselves or with link tweets with links, you know, that's where these arguments happen, and 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 I, I do think that that has well, eventually some some relevance on Earth in the real world, but we shouldn't overstate how directly those conversations have a relevance in the world, real world. Well, I think, well, I'll say I'll say it differently, and I think is what you alluded to before, 
And the real world is the world of American Jewish identity. Because it is a mm -hmm. conversation, first of all, it's happening in English, not in mm -hmm. Hebrew. So most Israelis are not right. going to read an article, 6,200-word article in English, in, right? Um, so, so that's, well, and Beinart didn't read a lot of Hebrew because he, he's ignorant of a lot of things going on in Israel. Right. So that's already, yeah. that's already has a certain irrelevance to, to actual Israel yeah. Jewish identity. But, but again, these, some of these play, things get played out like on the pages of the Times of Israel because Daniel Gordis wrote a response there because my in-laws yeah. actually brought it up to me because they're very, you know. Um, uh -huh. uh, so it's happening in, in that sphere of people interested in English, who, in Israel, who speak English. Um, mm -hmm. Who like look at the Times of Israel? Those kind, you know, what I mean, on a daily or right. or ongoing basis. Right. And, right, and right, I right. think it does have an effect on Jewish uh, American Jewish identity. I, I think that that's yeah. where it really has an effect. Um, yeah, and which I is think it's our business yeah. in a lot of ways. Correct, and I think that's not good for uh, for American Jewish identity. I think it's a it's a dismissal of. I don't really care what. There are more Jews who live in Israel than America. I don't really care if they disagree with me. I don't care how they think and or, and or feel about this topic. Uh, I'm going to tell them what I think would be the best thing for them from my perspective is a really rough way to... Uh, who, who He's clearly not even trying to be in a dialogue with Israelis. He's trying to tell American liberals... Uh, you should you should be less passionate about defending the Jewish state. Mm -hmm. You should be less passionate about caring what they care about, because they clearly don't aren't as moral as me. Wow, that's what your sense is. Well, I mean, he's comparing himself to Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai. Oh, really? The yeah. title of the article is Yavne. Oh, yeah. And he's saying Yochanan ben Zakkai saw the Romans had destroyed the capital and said, you know what, we can't save the state. Let's save, you know, our identity. And to compare this moment to that, and him to Rabbi Yochanan Zakai, that's 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 wacky. <laughs> I thought, and maybe I'll put a link to it in this. I I actually thought uh, the best response was Neil Rogachevsky's um, response in Mosaic, where he identifies the possible American political fallout mm. of uh, of Beinart's piece. Because it's really not going to have any relevance here in the Middle East. Nobody thinks it does. Right. Yeah. So I think so, what we've talked about today are borders and boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. What are the biblical borders? How does that relate to our and our with the way we talk about Israel? And what's within the boundaries of what's sensible and meaningful and positive and constructive when talking about Israel? Conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess now it took us uh, a half hour to get to the title of the episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> great. All right. Excellent. Well, good talking to you. It's always great talking with you. Yeah, uh, uh, and hopefully we'll get uh, we'll get a third chair. <laughs> it's just a little hard to schedule these uh, these Zoom conversations, but I think things are better when we uh, we have more voices. Yeah. 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 All right, well, thank you so much, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye.